if I have the unit be nicer and it looks like this and it's curated and it's designed well, my average nightly rent is going to pop so much that it's I'm going to make that money back almost immediately. And so people are learning that that that's the experience that guests want, that guests are willing to pay for it. And it's really filling out the kind of marketplace. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. Hey friend, so I wanna get real with you for just a quick second here, okay? So my wife and I decided it was time to take a risk and for me to leave my day job as head of growth at a marketing agency and go all in on Spontaneous and the Behind the Stays podcast. This is both incredibly exciting and also terrifying. Um, it's exciting because it means I'll have way more time to make the show better and to spin up new products and services designed to help you grow your hospitality brands and short-term rental businesses. And it's terrifying because I'm saying goodbye to a nice paycheck and health benefits and 401k match and yada yada. Oh, and did I mention that we just had a kid and who's just two months old? Yeah, it's been a it's been an exciting time. Okay, so here's here's the ask, all right? In order to grow the show and increase the value of the content we create, we need the support of our advertising partners. Now, trust me, I know how tempting it is to just skip through podcast ads. I feel you and I'm a culprit too, okay? But it would mean the world to me if you could take just 60 seconds to write an email to the guestie team or DM them on social media and just thank them for being a behind the stage sponsor. Perhaps you have a PMS system already or perhaps your short-term rental business is just getting started and you you don't need one of the dozens of incredible features and offers that their software provides, and that's all a-okay. But if you just take a quick second to thank them for being a sponsor on the show, what you're really doing is you're really saying, hey, I like the show. Thank you for helping it continue, and thank you for making Zach uh, be able to spend more time making the show even better for us. So this will also just help uh, prove to my wife that this quote-unquote podcasting thing can be more than just a hobby. So if you don't mind pausing the episode that you're listening to right now and scrolling down to the show notes to find Guesty's social handles and their marketing team's email address and shooting them just a quick message thanking them for advertising on the Behind the Stays podcast, I would be so grateful. All right, folks, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Jeff Illulian, founder and CEO of Host GPO, a buying group for the short-term rental industry. After graduating with a degree in economics from Columbia, Jeff thought he wanted to be an attorney, so he went to law school in California. But after practicing law for a few years, Jeff was bitten by the entrepreneurial bug, so he founded a real estate and technology investment company called Winthorpe Valentine, which he grew to manage over 250 short-term rentals. Managing more than 250 properties meant that Jeff spent a lot of time buying furniture and other furnishings for his homes. While the homes he managed certainly varied in style and size, Jeff often found himself buying 100 of the same broom or 50 of the same bookshelf, all at retail price. And that's when the idea, which would eventually become Host GPO, was born. Tune in to hear the story of how Jeff founded Host GPO and scaled it to be the largest buying group of short-term rental hosts in the country. All right. Without further ado, get ready to meet Jeff.
All right, Jeff, we're live, dude. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm excited. Um, I was just geeking out over your your background, which looks like the West Elm like showroom. Um, and it, it's one of those, it's one of those uh, I think, Zoom backgrounds where it's like, you really can't tell if it's real or not. Like it, you believe it's real, and then there's this slight little like curvature at the top of your like head where you're like, okay, it's this is a background, but it's uh, it's very believable. I love it. Yeah, we like to uh, we like to have some of these uh, West Elm and Pottery Barn and um, you know CB2 backgrounds uh, just because when we're on Zoom, we like to be like, hey, isn't this a vacation rental that you'd like to stay in or like have your guests <laughs> stay in and you know start pointing to furniture pieces that you know we offer through Host GPO. Uh, I love it, man. I love it. Well, I want to just dive right in because we've got a lot to talk about today. And I, sure. I want to start by you by giving us having you give us sort of like the uh, Shark Tank pitch overview of of what host GPO actually is. Yeah. So essentially, we help Airbnb and vacation rental operators uh, set up, furnish and restock their vacation rental units at discounted pricing. So we partner with name brands. So some of the ones I just mentioned, but also um, you know, Helix, Brooklinen, uh, Public Goods, uh, Rugs USA, and then a bunch of other kind of non-commercial brands too that are great for vacation rentals. So things like Standard Textile or uh, Gibson or huh. Ace Hardware, uh, Google Nest, right? So we'll partner with these brands to get the guaranteed best discounts and pricing. So like anywhere from you know twenty to seventy percent off. And the way that we have set up the site is um, it's a GPO, a group purchasing organization. That's a business. That, that's like a type of business that exists in other industries. And essentially, the way that it works is once you apply and get approved to join us um, and you're a member, you log into the marketplace and we try to make it as easy as possible for you to buy those items and make sure that you get them. Uh, you, you can streamline kind of that ordering process to get set up and reorder. Wow. Wow. I love it, man. So it's almost like uh, I, I'm thinking about people that there's this like a uh, flight club that does something not not a flight club it's a um it's a hotel club that does something like this mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of um oh gosh what is it it's called um uh gosh Nate Ritter who's uh an incredible entrepreneur it's his business and I'm forgetting I'm forgetting the name right now a uh, room steals that's what it's called room steals mm -hmm. where, where, where they basically do the same thing but for uh hotel rooms which is really cool so this this whole idea of of group purchasing orders is is fascinating and I feel like it's something that like your average your average consumer like myself has very little familiarity with so how did you how did you even like come to uh, understand what a GPO was and where did the idea of spinning this into a, a, a value add for Airbnb hosts come from? Yeah. So essentially I was a vacation rental operator. I was operating, you know, over 150 units uh, when I was at my biggest. And this came because I was having a problem finding like which linens to buy that make sense, especially hmm. when you start to have, you know, multiple units and you have to rebuy linens and you learn that, you know, the stuff that you might be ordering off Amazon or even a lot of the name brand stuff like is meant for kind of residential use and not, you know, not like the turnovers that vacation rentals have. So yeah. like I was trying to figure out like which linens to buy and like how to get mattresses. And, you know, I made all these kind of crazy mistakes and, and, you know, and, and all the different types of furniture that were, that were out there. And, um, this kind of started when I was at a vacation rental conference and was chatting with some other like bigger operators and somebody kind of whispered like, Hey, like, where do you get your mattresses from? <laughs> and I was like, why is that a secret? Like, where do you get your mattresses from? Like, let's get the same mattresses. Let's all start kind of buying together and see if we can get a better price, you know, as a group, even just to order one or two, like, it's not like you have to order, you know, a whole 
pallet of mattresses, but yeah. if we're buying together and so started learning more about that and then learned about GPOs and other industries. So, you know, restaurants or hospitals, pharmaceuticals, um, even hotels have GPOs, but the vacation rental industry really didn't have one. So mm. we kind of wanted to start one and, and that's kind of how it got off the ground. Wow. Wow. I love it, man. So talk to us a little bit about your your history. So I was briefly stalking you on on LinkedIn uh, last night preparing for this for this conversation. And I, I believe you've been in the industry for almost like 10 years, nine ish years. Um, and I imagine you've seen sort of like a lot of change. But I want to I want to go back and hear a little bit more about Jeff. Like, how did you how did you get into the industry? What was the that first gig like? And then uh, talk to us a little bit about sort of just the, the professional sort of uh, uh, milestones that have happened in your career since then. Yeah, sure. So before I started doing vacation rentals, uh, I was practicing as a lawyer. So uh, I was I was a lawyer for about, I don't know, almost three years. Okay. And I remember reading my first kind of foray into vacation rentals was I read this article in 2014 about lease arbitrage. And I was for vacation rentals. And I thought it was so interesting. And then I, my kind of first units in the space were I leased the home that came up across the street from me. Um, I figured, you know, I could have friends stay there. I could, you know, try to run it as a vacation rental and see what happened, furnished it, and it did really well. And then my kind of growth path from there was I was trying to figure out how I could really add value and find an asset that was being underutilized. And I don't know if I was really thinking about it like that at the time, but <laughs> essentially um, I started finding homes in Los Angeles and, and Southern California that were waiting for permits where they were bought by like construction or developers, right? Okay. They were waiting for permits. And in that permit and entitlement process, which can take 12 to 18 months, the family that was living in the home had moved out. The owner developer didn't want to lease it for like a year unknowing, you know, when that permit would come through and they'd have to ask somebody to leave. So I started leasing these homes that were waiting for permits at like half of market rent Wow. and then furnishing them and then re-renting them on, you know, and back in 2014, 2015, I mean, you could get three X market rent like very easily. So, yeah. you know, going through that process of, of furnishing, et cetera, like, over and over and over and over again. That's how I kind of started. So, you know, figuring out that first one was a milestone for me. Um, and then I think kind of the big milestones were 10 units, which is when I left my law job full time, um, 50 units, which is when we like became a real company, I think, and like really like, like an actual business and had, you know, a ton of employees, et cetera. Yeah. And then really when we broke a hundred units was like, okay, we need a scalable model. Like we really need like standard operating procedures in like a very meaningful way. And um, you know, all that kind of stuff and kind of became really involved in the industry. Wow. Um, so that's like the, the kind of overview and then some really cool milestones for me. Um, I was, I think the first Airbnb plus home in Los Angeles, wow. I think it was the first, one of the first Airbnb Lux homes. I've worked a lot with Airbnb, um, over the years, like, you know, in terms of doing programs and, um, meetings and, and talking about, you know, the state of the industry and, uh, yeah, the, the kind of next big milestone was starting host GPO. And so since then it's been, um, really, really awesome to be a part of this community. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. There are three questions that I get asked all the time by listeners of behind the stays. Number one, Zach, are you trying to imitate Guy Raz from NPR's interview style? Number two, Zach, do you really spend a dozen hours each week looking for the best Airbnb deals? And number three, Zach, is Guesty for Hosts really worth checking out? Well, friends, the answer to all three of these questions is, of course, yes. 
While there are many property management softwares on the market, I always encourage our listeners to check out Guesty for Hosts. Guesty's channel manager centralizes reservations across Airbnb, Verbo, and Booking.com to stay on top of your listings without having to hop back and forth between channels. Guesty's automation tools enable you to connect with guests in a meaningful, creative, and instant fashion. And Guessy's new and improved website builder allows you to create your own branded booking website in just minutes, which allows you to grow your brand and increase your direct bookings. And finally, Guesty is positioned well to grow with you. As your business grows, you can grow with Guesty for Pros by unlocking new features and offerings designed for larger portfolios. So here's the deal. If you're an STR host without a PMS system or a host looking at exploring a new one, I've got a treat for you. The team at Guesty is giving Behind the Stays listeners and spontaneous subscribers $20 off an annual or monthly plan for Guesty for hosts when they use the discount code SPONTANEOUS when signing up for a free 14-day trial. There's no credit card required. There's no setup fee. Uh, there's no commitment. So try it out and cancel anytime if you don't love it. Guesty for hosts. They're the bestie of top-rated STR super hosts. All right, folks, back to the show. And I want, I want to unpack all this, each of these milestones <laughs> in, in a little bit more detail. Uh, first sure. and foremost, uh, Airbnb Plus. So what what happened to Airbnb Plus? Like, I feel like it was, because so I, I can't remember if I told you this or not, Jeff, but I, uh, I lived full-time on Airbnb, my wife and I, for like a year and a half. And we stayed in a new Airbnb like every few days, uh, just domestic. We were just like driving everywhere. Sure. Um, and we always like because we had a ton of flexibility on like where we stayed and when we stayed, we we scored like ridiculous discounts. And my wife like always was trying to find like the pluses and there were, mm-hmm. the, you know, and, and we would, in some markets there were plenty. And then in others there, there were very, very, very few. And then I feel like today I send this newsletter out twice a week uh, with the best uh, last minute Airbnb deals. And like, I feel like the, the, the number of like Airbnb pluses have just like, they've just diminished substantially do you know why that is or do you have any insider insider intel on that um yeah i think i have a good idea so essentially i think the airbnb plus program has gone through about three full iterations okay so i think originally it was you can be on airbnb plus if you meet these criteria and you know essentially there was like some sort of inspection to make sure that you had all the things that you needed and your unit met a certain quality and then that kind of lasted for a while and then and then they honestly at the beginning they used to just send you um like money to just make your listing nicer wow. they're like here you go like buy some more stuff for your listing which is really cool wow. um they're like we'll put you on airbnb plus but like here's you know a couple grand to like go buy a couch um a new couch something like that so so that was how it started and then it kind of pivoted into a second iteration where they were sending out interior designers to try to like actually be involved with making the listing better mm. and, you know, running purchases through, you know, their program. And there was like a furniture financing component. And, you know, that I think didn't really catch on and pick up. And then the third iteration was kind of like a softer version of that. But I think that they have really slammed the brakes, especially I think during COVID and afterwards where, um, they were going really hard with that program. And then I think when uh, in the beginning of 2020, I think they just fully slammed the brakes. And yeah. so I think one of the reasons why the amount of Airbnb plus listings has started to drop is because they haven't been onboarding or approving new ones yeah. and, you know, listings, you know, there's a lot of churn in this industry just in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. So listings come on and off all the time. And so I think that uh, because they haven't been adding a lot of listings, that's why there aren't as many out there right now. Interesting. I did hear, I don't know if this is just like a rumor, 
um, maybe you know, but I did hear at one point, like if you were Airbnb plus, like you had to be, ex- you had to exclusively list on Airbnb. Like you couldn't be listed elsewhere. I don't know if that's true or not. What do you know if that's true? Um, I think in version two of their, of the program, okay. um, if you got one through the design program, you technically had to agree that you would only be listed on Airbnb. Got it. Plus. Okay. Okay. Very, very interesting. Um, all right. Well, enough about Airbnb. Let's get back to yeah. Jeff. So, um, <laughs> so, okay. I, I'm curious, like you, you have this really interesting history where you, you worked as an operator, you scaled dramatically over a relatively short period of time. Talk to us a little about a little bit about sort of like lessons learned in like that kind of like zero to ten window that like you know ten to fifty window and then you know fifty plus like what what were some of the uh, I, I guess like new skills uh, you had to acquire uh, as as a professional in each of these stages in order to sort of like meet the needs of like where your business was at. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a really big question. I'm happy to give you like some some big kind of broad stroke ones, but you know, zero to 10, I would say the skill that I learned was sales. Hmm. Um, I, I didn't really know how to sell anything and I still am only okay at sales. But the idea was, you know, I was going out there and closing lease arbitrage deals and that required, or even property management deals. And that requires some element and aspect of sales where you have to talk to somebody and, you know, convince them. Uh, I mean, unless you're buying the property outright and doing your vacation rentals that way, which is awesome too. Um, you know, you have to talk to them and convince them that they should trust you with their property, that yeah. um, lease arbitrage is a good idea, that you know what you're doing, that, you know, you've learned the regulations. And so all the things that go along with sales, like actually knowing the regulations in your industry and market and becoming an expert before you try to sell somebody on something or um, being confident or knowing how to talk about things in a way that, um, you know, uh, answers questions. Yeah, you know, I was coming from a lawyer background where I was my whole job before was to talk to somebody, figure out what the situation was, and then tell you every reason why it was bad. So <laughs> yeah. like, I was really good at pointing out, like, these are all the things that are going to happen. And so I think I started in my, you know, doing sales and I was like, Hey, these are all the reasons why this is a bad idea, you know? And like, just like basic stuff like that, learning, learning out of the gate. So that was probably zero to 10 was learning sales. Um, 10 to 50 was, uh, learning operations and hmm. what that meant. Hmm. Um, I wasn't really an operator. I was really detail oriented, great at lists, great at, you know, um, doing a ton of work. I was like a really like a workhorse. Like I could do an insane amount of, of physical work. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know how to create a list. Hmm. I didn't like how to, how to create a list for somebody else. I don't know how to create instructions. Yeah. Right. Ooh, I didn't know yeah. like how to take what I was doing and write it down in a step-by-step basis. So detailed and clear and concise enough that I could give it to somebody else yeah. and have them do it for, you know, have them do it as part of the team. So 10, to 10 you know, 10 to 50 was like, all right, how do I do this? And yeah. then after that, I think the biggest lessons were these really broad ones about like the value of time, um, you know, like really understanding that whatever you're spending your minutes doing, you're not doing something else. And so at some point it became more profitable for me to, exclusively focus on like finding new deals and growth yeah, and yeah. really pay the extra you know money to have like a very very solid team um you know under me and, and with me working alongside me to like really bolster what we were doing but you know that's a crazy thing to do to pay somebody a salary that was like more than what you're you know what you were getting before, yeah you know so <laughs> so that the, that was like a, a thing and those are really some kind of like bigger you know bigger business uh lessons like over kind of time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's really impressive that you 
we're able to sort of like step into each of those, uh, let's just call them like seasons of growth and scale, because it, it's incredibly hard, I think, for somebody who's, you know, entrepreneurial like yourself um, to to be able to like delegate well. Like I feel like delegation is just this incredibly like difficult skill for like creative people. Like creative people are so great at like coming up with ideas, doing the work themselves, like uh, they're typically like obsessive. Uh, uh, they have a you know obsessive personalities. It's, it is very difficult for these individuals to be able to translate that into quality delegation to another to to another individual who again it's it's not their baby in the way that it is yours right it's not their vision in the way that it is yours so I feel like the folks that are able to do that well are are they just they just always impress me I I suck at that it's like the hardest <laughs> thing for me for me to do and we're like tiny tiny you know but even just like working with I've got a few like VAs I've been working with right right now to to help me kind of grow uh, the show and whatnot and. It is. It's still really, really difficult for me to like delegate well uh, to to them. And so, anyways, uh, it, it, very, very interesting there. I also uh, on the operational front, I think one of the hard things for a lot of the folks that listen to this show, for example, they don't. They've done incredible jobs at building really great brands for their for their spaces, right? So like, we've got folks uh, who listen to this show that have 50, 100, uh, 750,000 followers to their properties on Instagram, right? Like they've built these remarkable brands. They're incredibly detail oriented. Their spaces, you know, have been featured in Dwell and, and, and then some, right? But it's it. I have found that it's hard for these individuals to figure out how to scale or how to replicate what they've created because after doing this one, two, or maybe three times, it's exhausting, right? And and, and it <laughs> yeah. is hard. Like if you're doing it all yourself, and it, it's very hard to sort of get to that next level. I don't want to tarnish my brand. I do want to scale, but like, how, how do I do this? So I'm mean, curious. Like, this is a, a long way of asking you a question of sure. how, how did you how, how did you sort of uh, get to a point where you worked on yourself or, or, or sort of like forced yourself to become a better operator without sort of like compromising the integrity of like what you had built? Yeah, I mean, look, I think that there are some really big lessons you learn on that road. Um, the one for me that comes to mind immediately is you have to let things break sometimes. Like you have to let things break and catch fire. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to be okay with, especially like you were saying, like being a perfectionist and being, you know, super detail oriented, unless you let it break or you like take your hands off the wheel a little bit and let somebody else try to drive, there's no way for you to educate and teach or, or learn with somebody else. Yeah unless you're willing to do that. And so the first step to kind of growth and scaling, especially when you're in that phase is, okay, how can I give somebody else the opportunity to learn and make a mistake? Hmm. And even if it's at my expense. And hmm. so that's a really hard thing to do. I mean, you know, especially for, if you're operating at that super high level and, you know, your listings are so amazing and, um, you're, or even if you're just really, really, uh, you know, specific about how you're messaging guests, right. Unless you let somebody else actually send that message yeah. and then show them, Hey, remember when I had mentioned that maybe this isn't the best way to send this message because this and this, and this was going to happen. Like yeah. you didn't lay that groundwork here. And now we're having this issue with a resolution where, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. So whatever yeah. that is, um, I think a big part of it is, um, get going from like, this is my baby to how do I one align incentives, which is like a whole nother conversation. Like, how do you align incentives with your team to make sure that everybody's on the same page? Yeah. But then two, um, how am I going to let folks make those mistakes even at my expense? 
so that we can learn together and grow together because that's the only way for, for people to learn is to actually do it. Yeah. I love what you mentioned too about like taking the time to to revisit like, hey, you sent this message. Like let's let's like pick this apart together, right? That is, <laughs> I always like, that is so difficult for me. It's you, you just want to be like, all right, see, yep, I tried it. Doesn't work. Like delegation sucks and you know, it never pans out. Uh, because taking the time to sort of like coach and correct, right, and train uh, any, any individual is is quite is quite difficult, uh, especially when again you have spent so much time obsessing, you know, consciously and also unconsciously about what you're building that it's hard to remember that oh wow, not everyone in the world is thinking about this as much as you are, right? Like even your own yeah. team is not thinking about this as much as you are. So how do you make sure that you help coach them in in the right direction and and do so sort of like in a in a very like patient and and empathetic way? Uh, and that's just it's difficult. It's difficult for folks to make the time to to do that well. But it's super important if if you care at all about scale. Oh, for sure. And I think that that also speaks directly to caring about like who your team is because you're honestly investing so much of your time into building your team that the most expensive part of of having a team member is or, or an employee is having a new employee like that training yeah. period yeah, yeah, is yeah. the most expensive because it's like your time the downtime you know you're slowing your growth whatever it is so really focusing to make sure that you're investing in people that you want to be there alongside you is a really important thing Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. I'm curious, Jeff, how how have you seen the the hospitality uh, industry change over the last, uh, let's just say, decade or so? Like, what have when, when you sort of take a moment to pause and reflect on kind of where we're at right now? Like, what are what are some of the uh, the things that jump out as sort of like significant events and or significant happenings that have taken place that have shaped you know, the industry and, and brought us to where we are at today? Yeah, um, I think you know, and, and and what's really interesting is I have this this conversation a, a lot where it's like people are like we're in the wild west of the of the vacation rental and Airbnb world and like everything is. And I'm like, you guys, this is how this is just how it's been. Like, it's been like this for 10 years ago. It was the real Wild West. And then before that, it was like even crazier. So, you know, 20 years ago, people don't even remember. But like vacation rentals were like you go to, you know, you go to the beach town nearby and like you got to ask if you want them to give you sheets and they'll maybe they'll have them hanging on the door. You make the bed yourself. <laughs> like that's where this thing was like 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. And so now, you know, 10 years ago. You know, some trends I've seen over the last 10 years. One, regulation. So, you know, back then there was a lot of gray. There weren't as many laws. Um, I think that 
everybody that's listening to this, I really encourage folks to get involved with, you know, your local regulations um, and, and membership groups. I mean, check out like Rent Responsibly. Like there's a lot of these great organizations out there that one are trying to help make sure that the regulations that are created are fair yeah. um, and, and like good. Yeah. Uh, you we need to be involved in those conversations because having people that don't understand our business make rules for us is not the right way to, to, you know, have this, this industry continue. Um, so one regulation was a big trend Two, Um, I think that, uh, another big one was the move towards branding. Hmm. Um, so people really focusing on direct bookings, right. Or creating Instagram accounts for their property or how to market directly, as opposed to, you know, look for a long time, it was Airbnb and VRBO. And yep. it was like, that was it. And those were the big channels. And ultimately you're going to get a ton of bookings through those platforms. Right. And you need to love them, yep. you know, even if yep. you hate them, but you need to treat them like what they are, which is lead generators for your business. And so, you know, they're going to be that marketing tool that gets you those first couple bookings. And then it's on you to like use StayFi or whatever to like collect email addresses and remarket. If you're really trying to build that part of your business, yep. by the way, not everybody needs to do that. And I know there's a ton of people for like a quick side note that are like really, really focused on, uh, on like, you know, they get really deep focused on the details and the minutia without having like the bigger things done. So, you know, whether that's how, what's my remarketing campaign look like when like, you don't actually have like good listing photos, right. Or like, <laughs> you know, what, what, what kind of local coffee am I putting in my, in my listing, but like, you don't even have a coffee machine. Right. So there's like, you know, got to like do the, the preliminary stuff first. So that yeah. was another big one. Um, I, I think maybe the third biggest one and the one that's most relevant to, to me is the quality of vacation rental units hmm. has totally shifted. Yeah. And so it ha yeah. it happened in like two or three ways. The first one is back when I started, I mean, I was literally like picking up furniture off the street, painting it, you know, cleaning it and putting it in units or like going to Ikea and, you know, I did like a 48 shopping cart Ikea run one time, which is like a whole nother <laughs> story. I wish, I don't wish that hell on anybody. Jeez. Um, How did, wait, 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 hold on. That's interesting. <laughs> Just real, 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 real fast. What, what, what were you doing? And like, how did you move these 48 carts? Yeah. Um, I was setting up, uh, 16 units, um, that were all kind of side by side, uh, fourplexes and, I was at Ikea with my entire vacation rental team, um, plus some friends. I think there were like maybe 16 of us. And we had 48 shopping carts. The checkout took, I think it was like three hours. Um, <laughs> just just the scanning of like taking the items out and scanning them took like three hours. Uh, and we had it rented a, like a 20 foot or whatever, 24 foot U-Haul, loaded everything in, um, you know, really learned the hard way Dang. why something like host GPO is really necessary. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was like, this makes no sense. Also the amount of time, you know, the U-Haul got into a fender bender. So like that insurance things, oh, like God. all the stuff was like such a headache. And then the amount of time we spent building the furniture plus everybody's time and like getting the stuff, like it just wasn't worth it. So, yeah, you know, all that to say that like I was using Ikea furniture and marketplace and all these things, like, especially at the outset, um, but you learn like you have to replace all that stuff and it's really expensive and you should buy nice furniture rather than buy furniture, you know, twice and, you know, all of these kinds of lessons. But, but the, the, the truth was that, that you couldn't miss 10 years ago. Mm. You couldn't miss, you could have an Airbnb listing that was literally the ugliest thing in the world that like 
uh, mismatch everything and really low quality, whatever, but there just, there wasn't enough supply yeah. and people wanted to travel and, you know, hotel prices were really, really insane. And so the, you could really put up any sort of listing and you were going to make money. But yeah. over time that started to change. And especially during and after the pandemic, where like the bottom third to 40% of listings just got wiped out yeah. because travel didn't stop, right? It just slowed. Yeah. And the listings that got booked were when they look at yours and the one next to you, and they're pretty much the same price at that point, like they're going to book the the nice one. And so, yeah. you know, that, that part of the market, those part of the listings really got wiped out. And so I think that one of the other kind of big trends has just been this focus towards curated, um, better quality spaces that feel like what the pictures look like yeah yeah uh those are those are all uh fantastic insights and yeah i think a note there too is just that i i feel like what's also just happened is folks have been because people many people are still working remotely and or have way more flexibility than they ever had before they can be super um they can be super sort of like you know spontaneous with like when they go they can be a little bit more flexible with how long they stay and so rather than being like okay i've got one week a summer or two weeks you know a year where i can travel and it's the same two weeks as everyone else in the world it's like no i, I can decide to have my you know vacation or workcation whenever i want i can decide hey i'm gonna go and it's it, it, i get a 25 percent discount if i stay at this really nice place for seven nights or more cool i'll book the whole week i'll you know take four days off and i'll work three days like that sort of flexibility right and th those sort of decisions just pre-pandemic were, were just much rarer. They were just much more complicated for folks. And like now, again, this is this is just normal for so, so many people, which again, has just dramatically increased competition in the space. What, what I am curious about, and I wonder if you have any insight uh, in, into this, Jeff, is like, at what point did like the shift happen between, all right, like it, it's one thing to, you know, create nicer, uh, more curated spaces, but I feel like it happened very quickly because I feel like now when I when I go onto Airbnb or like, again, just the number of Instagram accounts that are popping up with people, some of these are like custom builds from the ground up, right? Like I just was talking to um, Mike from, you know, Den Outdoors uh, yesterday, a couple of days ago, he was just on, on the podcast and, you know, their whole business, right, boomed obviously during COVID, this idea of building these beautiful custom like A-frames and barn houses and whatnot, right? These like Instagram these days as I call them like it, it seems like it all happened really really quickly was there just like a ton of money that came into the space did like new players who had never listed before just decide to like get into hospitality or like how did that happen and like what like it, it seemed it seems it seems to me I guess I guess from like a little bit of an outsider's perspective that within like two years the 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 number of listings that are really nice versus just average have substantially changed. Well, I think what's really interesting is that it's not like just it happened overnight, but what has really, really started to happen is that folks are understanding that those quality listings in that luxury space or in that nicer unit, you know, nicer, more curated, et cetera, the the margin is just much higher yeah. right it's a little bit more out of the gate um you know a little bit more in terms of the amount you're you're spending but ultimately the lessons are starting to be learned and yeah. so it's like their unit's going to last longer the quality furniture right buying contract grade furniture from like a west elm or something like that like yeah. that's going to last longer right so you're going to start buying those things then 
things like host GPO starting, you know, a couple of years ago, yeah. we're helping make those prices accessible, right? 30, 40, 50% off those things. Um, I was going to bring the price down significantly. So you might as well put that. In. Yeah. Then you're learning that, well, actually, if I have the unit be nicer and it looks like this and it's curated and it's designed well, my average nightly rent is going to pop so much that it's, I'm going to make that money back almost immediately. Yeah. And so people are learning that, that that's the experience that guests want, that guests are willing to pay for it. And it's really filling out the kind of marketplace, by the way, it's not everybody right yeah. there. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I had units that were renting at apartment buildings where I had units that were renting for like 70 bucks a night, 80 bucks a night. Yeah. Those also did well for me, but ultimately like we're filling in this other kind of niche, this other gap in the space where people really realize, Hey, if this is a lake house and this is a trip for a family and we're going to create a really memorable experience because, you know, or this is an A-frame or something that's really unique that a hotel is not going to be able to satisfy in the same way, right? It's just kind of filling out the marketplace yeah. uh, of, of listing. So I've definitely seen that as well over the last few years. And I think yeah. it's mainly driven by the profitability. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. And it does seem to me, I'm sure there's, there's some like hard data on this, but it also seems to me just by uh, sort of my own experience and just the experience of, of friends and whatnot, when you go into a space that is highly curated and is beautiful, the, like you want to respect the space way more than when you walk into a space and it's like, eh, like this looks like a bunch of Ikea furniture, right? Um, it's like the wear and tear is like significant. I don't care if I put my feet here. I don't care if I spill coffee. Like, you know, you the, sure. the way that the way that sort of you treat the space as a guest uh, can, can totally change. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no. I was just going to say, depending on sort of like the, you know, the, the, the character of the space. Um, so, so yeah, go ahead. I, know, I was going to say, like, if you were traveling, right. And you, you got into a rental car and it was like a brand new, you know, Mercedes, uh, that was like right off the lot with low miles. Like you're probably not going to drive that thing as aggressively as like you rented a car and it was like, you know, a, a fiesta and it was like all dinged up already. You're going to like rip that thing around. And yeah, so yeah. it's the same thing with listings, you know, like people are going to drive it like a rental car, no matter what, but like we'll probably treat it a little bit better if it's, if it's, you know, curated and there's a lot of attention into it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, I, I want to shift down. I talk a little bit more specifically about host GPO. So tell sure. us a little bit about sort of like, uh, what what exactly is host GPO? You, you have you have you know members. Um, what everyone just signs up and then they start getting deals in their email on you know discounted like West Elm media consoles or like how, how does it actually work? Yeah, so the way that it works is once you go to uh, hostgpo.com and you, you click join us now, you'll sign up and you'll go through an onboarding phone call where essentially our team will work with you and say, uh, which by the way, all the host GPO team, we're all also hosts, which is really cool. Um, we built our team with like folks that signed up for host GPO being like, nice. hey, this is cool. Can I help other people? Nice. Um, and so you'll go through that onboarding call. They'll talk to you about like, um, you know, what you're buying, what kind of needs you have and help educate you on like how uh, the marketplace works and and what kind of vendors we partner with. But once you go through that and you log in, you'll see a list of all the different partners that we work with. Okay. And it's not like we just partner with like, hey, this one media console or hey, it's one thing. It's across all of the options from those brands. Nice. And then the other thing that's really, really cool is you're not shopping from host GPO, right? It's not like, um, you know, you have to, if you want to buy like a crate and barrel thing or whatever, you have to like wait for a quote and we quote it. And then you, you know, we're like in, in between, right. Ultimately the way host GPO works is you're buying directly from these brands, okay. whether it's like a coupon code that you put on their site or, you know, upgrading your trade account when you buy from their site, everything that you do on host GPO is instant. Nice. So there's like no kind of waiting or anything like that. And then, um, you're able to buy from all these brands, which have been really curated. So 
you know, things like we've mentioned, the, you know, Article, West Elm, CB2s of the world, but also um, these these brands like Helix that have like a hospitality mattress that yeah. isn't available to the general public yep. or, um, you know, things like Ace Hardware, which is super cool because you can buy online, but also in store. So if you ever go into an Ace Hardware, you can like get a discount at the register because you're a host GPO member, right? All of these types of partnerships we put in place um, so that you can get set up in like the quickest and easiest way possible. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much how the site works. Nice. Nice. And is there any interaction between hosts that happen or, or, or not really? Um, you know, we host like some, you know, uh, kind of town halls every now and then, um, we're really involved with kind of our hosts. Like we talk to our members on a regular basis about like how it's going with their listings and, you know, et cetera. But what's really cool is that the host GPO community has grown so large. Uh, we have over 200,000 listings, um, uh, between all of Jeez. our members. Wow. Which is super cool. It's, it's how we get, yeah, it's awesome. It's how we get the best prices. So, yeah. you know, host GPO has the guaranteed best discounts like, across the board. So, um, it's usually, you know, it's usually like 10 or 20% over whatever, anything else you could find, you know, through trade or other program. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. How how do you, like, uh, we were just talking right before we hit uh, record here a little bit about this, but, like, I am curious how, th- there are a few other players that I feel like have, have entered this space um, recently. Again, I, I'm sort of, I, I know of them. I don't know them well. So I'm just curious, for, sure. for those who, like, we had we did have Mark from um, Minoan come on the show of, uh, yep. a couple months ago, and he was amazing, and he was telling us a little bit about sort of, like, their their model and whatnot. I'm just curious, like, how, how do you, how does, like, a host GPO compare to, to like, a Minoan based off of what you know about them? Yeah. And so like, I'm somewhat familiar with what, with what uh, they're doing and a couple of the other players. Um, I think the main difference are like, that's kind of great for your entry level, um, you know, like base level discounts or like if you went to a website and like put in your email address, right. They're going to send you that, you know, 5% off your first order. Right. Whereas like host GPO, the discounts are, you know, more significant. Um, You know, for example, we're doing a host GPO for collection, which is a collaboration between host GPL and West Elm. Hmm. We actually worked with West Elm to curate uh, a group of products that are offered at like an insane discount, wow. like even above and beyond, you know, everything else. So, um, you know, we're very focused on partnering with brands that we think make a lot of sense. Um, we might not have things on, on there like, 
you know, cookies or, um, you know, olive oils. I think that that's kind of also a little bit more of their focus. Um, we're really focused on things like standard textile, which is, you know, hospitality grade linens that you can buy in bulk that like are really, really high quality. The same ones that like Marriott and Ritz and Hilton are using yes. um, at like an extremely low price. Right. So that's kind of more of our focus. We're more of like a business partner okay. to help folks that have, you know, that are really growing and getting into the space, um, you know, buy directly from brands, work directly with brands um, to set their space up uh, as opposed to kind of like a. Uh, I think that a couple of the other folks that are out there are kind of just trying to provide entry-level discounts um, to, to most brands. And uh, I think that they're a little bit more focused on, you know, being more like a coupon site. Um, we're a little bit more involved and, and, you know, have teams at each of these brands that, you know, if you have a problem with your Williams-Sonoma order or you have a problem with, you know, whatever it is, you know, Host GPO has our own team at each of these companies that can really help um you know solve those things in a more escalated yeah. way yeah 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 okay super super interesting and on, on that note too are you guys um like what uh, what is it what does it cost to be a member is it like an annual fee is it a monthly fee how does that work yeah so it's super low so if you are a member um and you have 10 or less units um your annual fee is 120 dollars. Wow. so Okay. It's like you'll save it on, you know, one rug from Rugs USA. You're going to save more than that, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. going through host GPO. And so, um, you know, I think that, you know, or, or even if you're getting into the space, you know, we just launched this new thing, which is our services marketplace, which is like if you're about to get insurance or pricing software or property uh, management software nice. or anything that you need to set up your unit, you can get those discounts, you know, immediately through host GPO. And they're all kind of like exclusive. And, you know, we're kind of trying to guide people through through the right direction. So, um, you know, 120 bucks a year, that's how we kind of sustain and, and grow and like uh, you know, you really get access to like power, a power user, um, yeah. really would get access to, to, you know, better discounts. That's like, you know, equivalent to like a one night, like cleaning, uh, on, uh, you know, a cleaning for like one night on like one unit, uh, out of the year or something like that. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and you know, for us, it's like, we have tens of thousands of members and it's like, that's how we kind of, you know, keep growing. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so I, I do want to give you some some time as we uh, as we prepare to sort of like wrap up here, Jeff, to just sure. hear a little bit about like your your musings, right, on on like the future of travel and and hospitality. Like, do you have any like particularly hot takes right now when you think about the industry and kind of like where we're going, or what what are you excited about? What are you thinking about? Uh, what, if anything, are you worried about uh, over over these next several years? Oh, um. I got a lot of hot takes on the industry. I always have hot takes on the industry. I think one, <laughs> one is um, that I think, and, and this one maybe isn't super hot, but it's worth noting is like the line between a hotel and a vacation rental is going to increasingly get further and further blurred. Mm. And I think that what is going to end up happening is that, uh, you know, especially with like, the Expedia acquisition of Verbo and and like the conglomeration of these things. Like, I think that folks are going to be able to go to sites. I think like five, 10 years down the road, you're going to go to Airbnb and you're going to see both hotel rooms and vacation rentals. Yeah. And you're going to go to Expedia or a price line. And you're going to really see both. I think the integration of those two industries is going to start to, to, you know, coincide. And what that means is that a lot of institutional capital and a lot of bigger uh, brands in the hotel space are going to start being more and more of players in the vacation rental industry. Yeah. So what that looks like, um, you know, e even not the bigger players, I think that you're also going to get like, 
you know, investment banks that are seeing the profitability in the space and are going to try to start coming in. And I think what that's going to look like is one, you know, professionalization of our industry, which some hands in some ways is a good thing. And some, in some ways is, is, is not a great thing. Um, so, so I think that being mindful of like the fact that that is coming and how to make sure that you're doing things the right way now, um, you know, I think that that kind of stuff is really, really important to, to think about, you know, now, um, the, the second part of that is the importance of like local operators, right? Mm. So I, I think what's really necessary is no matter what, no matter how much capital gets in, having somebody that's local help or run or operate or have a team doing that vacation rental is even more important than it was before because that's part of the experience, right? Yeah. Creating a local stay for somebody is part of what a lot of folks want. And it is something super unique. Not every vacation rental needs to be like this, yeah. but you know, even in bigger vacation rental destinations like Orlando, right? Like people really want to have somebody there that can like help educate them on, you know, what going to Disney is like and yeah. how to do it. And yeah. like, they want somebody to walk them through that process. So they want the, they want the concierge, that, right? Like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and like another way to say like a local tour guide is like a concierge, right? Yeah. They look pretty similar in a lot of ways. And yeah. so um, I think that the importance of that is going to really start to increase as well. Um, yeah, That's I think that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just, um, I'm just, I'm even, sorry, yeah. I'm, as, I'm just thinking as you're saying this too, like, you know, we're, we're, we're probably not far off from a world where there'll be there'll be places in, in in destinations especially sort of like as these portfolios kind of expand and get bigger where you'll be greeted at the door by somebody right like who is your concierge welcoming you to your to your place right and saying hey i'm here if you got any questions shake your hand like you know here's uh here's a glass of you know here's a mimosa whatever it is like th there will be experiences uh as you, as you so neatly put it where as Ho the line between hotels and vacation rentals begins to blur where we'll start seeing some of these things uh, come to fruition. And that, that will be very interesting. I, I haven't seen For a lot sure. of that yet. So. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's funny, you know, in when I started my vacation rental business and I was doing like also really luxury homes and kind of base level apartment buildings, but um, we used to do every check-in in person probably really? until we got, until we got to like maybe 60 70 units wow. every check-in in person wow. but also like the fraud and identity stuff like protection stuff wasn't as good back then and yeah. so like we were literally like you know checking people's ids <laughs> when we were like letting them in the homes but uh, but you know it was also like a different experience and so you know i think that that the pendulum might start to swing back you know, I've seen folks, I stayed at a vacation rental in Miami recently where like I walked in um, to the building and there was a, there was like a, a video with a screen and a live person came up and was like, Hey, like you're here to check in, like, you know, on the video screen, like, wow. do you know what room you're in? Do you know your key number? Like all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, that, that line is going to keep getting more and more blurred. And what's important to remember is how to differentiate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. From, from a, from an entrepreneurship standpoint, like where, where, do you see sort of like opportunity, like where do you see sort of like the most opportunity or just interesting things uh, in the space that you think smart, creative people who have either sort of like built their own like micro hospitality brands and are kind of like looking to grow and, or they're uh, maybe they've built companies in a, a totally different industry, but they're now kind of interested in coming into the space. Like from your vantage point, uh, what are some problems that need to be solved and or what are just some some opportunities that you think smart creative people could come in and 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 help you know um write write the book on yeah i mean i've see i see a couple folks uh starting to trickle in to solve like this one problem that that is 
has been like the unsolvable problem for so long, which is just vacation rental accounting. Mm. Um, so like for everything from like expense tracking to revenue management to, you know, you name it, there's like a bunch of solutions out there and there haven't, hasn't been one that's kind of like an all one size fits all uh, yeah. solution. That's really robust. So yeah. like, I think that that is like a big one. Um, I think that there are, you know, there are a bunch of other kind of, um, smaller things. I mean, look, there's, there's people out there trying to solve how to bring your, your trash bins in. Mm. Um, right. Like there are people out there trying to solve, you know, all these different, uh, uh, problems. And I think what's important to kind of focus on is like, for those people that are thinking about doing it, um, you know, I always like to think about it. Like, are you really solving a problem or are you just making something more convenient? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think that, that, you know, focusing on, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's just important to focus your time. Like, I don't know how important, you know, certain upsells are in your listing, right? Yeah. Like, I don't personally believe that somebody necessarily is going to need to book that restaurant reservation through you, um, as opposed to like just telling them what restaurant to go to, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I don't think you necessarily need to try to get like a 2% rip on like that <laughs> restaurant reservation. Like, just freaking send the person to the restaurant. That yeah. being said, like, if they're going to rent a uh, jet ski through you or like book a hiking trip, like, sure, maybe like that's an established thing. So I think like finding where that line is, like, you know, I don't know if you need like $2 because somebody bought your toaster, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I, I don't personally see that as like, you know, a, a big money maker. And so I think focusing yeah. on, Focusing on like making sure that your your experience feels like an experience yeah. for for a guest. Um, I mean, like kind of a little bit astray here, but like I don't personally believe that. And, and this is more of like a for folks getting in and starting new companies. Like, don't lose sight of the fact that people are staying in these vacation rentals because they want a home experience, right? Like they want to feel like they're in a home. They don't want to see your pictures on the wall with your family necessarily and like your kids and da da da. Like yeah. I don't want to feel like they're impeding on your home. Yeah. But they also don't want to feel like they're staying in a department store yeah. or like they're getting pe peppered with like referral links and like, yeah. you know, like yeah. scanning QR codes to like unlock your shampoo. Like, you know, just make sure that like you're being really. <laughs> conscious yeah. about the fact that you're creating a home experience for somebody and not like, you know, something different. So um, I, I think that there's a lot of startups kind of getting into this, like, how do I monetize like every little thing? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you know, and, and I think part of this is like, remember the sense of hospitality and, and, and like the sense of like home um, that you're trying to give people as well. Yeah. Which is, I mean, you know, why this you know, why sort of like the the next chapter of vacation rentals even like took off with like this idea that you didn't you know hotels were nickeling and diming, diming everybody so much that people couldn't couldn't afford to stay there anymore they wanted an alternative way to travel and that's what yeah at least you know that's how that's how airbnb started and whatnot so yeah it's, i like that it's, that's important to keep in mind last question for you here is around um like what do you think about like memberships like I, i've been I, and like rewards programs like I, i've been sort of surprised that like we don't mm -hmm. see more of this in this space like and i i I would imagine it's just because like portfolios aren't large. There aren't like tons of great examples of like massive portfolios where this is possible. And obviously you've seen folks like, you know, the wanders of the world and the here's of the world and like the summers of the world who have kind of come into the space and they're, they're, you know, trying to do something like this and also like five other things all at the same time. But like, I'm curious, like how, what are your thoughts on um, kind of rewards programs or, or, or becoming like a member, like one would at a Hilton or, or, or a Marriott? Like, how is that going to play out in this space, if at all? 
Um, I think that it'll happen, but I don't think that it'll happen the right way for at least like three, four years. Mm. Um, and like, that doesn't mean that folks shouldn't try it. And like, somebody's going to come in and do it. Um, it's just, I, from what I've seen, and I don't know everything that's out there right now. Yeah. Um, it's not going to happen yet. I think it's much more likely that it'll come from a, like a total third party than it'll be, you know, like an aggregated roll up of like smaller, um, you know, rewards things. Like, I think that like the most easy rollout of that is like reward points for staying through like credit card programs and things like that. And like, I just, you know, I think that when you look at a lot of the data around this and you look at like why people stay in certain places and like uh, guest reviews, um, you know, et cetera, there's a couple really big companies that do this type of, this type of, of, um, What's interesting is like, you know, you got the AirDNAs of the world that are doing like all the pre-data, right? There's a lot of post-data that are run, that's run by research groups. And uh, one of the more recent presentations that I saw on this uh, really breaks down like what was the most important factor for you in terms of deciding where to stay and like booking and experience. And every single time I've seen this, uh, rewards points is on that list but it's dead last, right? Everything else has been so much more important. Like, you know, whether that's, you know, Wi-Fi or location or, um, you know, et cetera, like price. Yeah. I mean, it's just rewards points tends to be a really low driver for whether somebody's going to book or not in the first place. And so I think that's why, you know, understandably it's been kind of one of the last big rollouts, um, to kind of come through. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm super interested in, um, in that space and if anyone's listening to this and they're working on something like this i'd love to i'd love to chat with you but um but jeff this is awesome i um yeah. really appreciate your time i'm super thankful for what you're doing in this space host gpo is incredible if folks do want to learn a little bit more and if they want to become a member like what's what's the best way for them to to do so and to get in touch yeah so you can head to hostgpo.com and click join us now um you know in in general we have a uh uh a, a great kind of an easy sign up program where you just log in and, and I'd really encourage everybody to do that onboarding call. It's a great way to like get samples and like get products so you can like feel what the linens feel like and stuff like that. So yeah. um, we're host GPO on all, all socials. Um, and uh, so, so check us out there as well. Um, the other quick shout out that I'll do, uh, which I didn't get a chance to, to, to mention, but um, we just uh, launched, we were in pilot mode for a long time, but we've launched our design program. So we huh. actually, through William Sonoma, uh, we have a partnership with them where they will do the interior design of your whole home for you for a new build for free through Host GPO at our, you know, Host GPO discount. Wow. Um, which is a really, really great program to get free interior design and project management. So highly encourage folks that are setting up new builds to look into that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, so hostgpo.com. I, I love that. Uh, that is an incredible uh, partnership. Yeah. And if folks want uh, more info too, or they want an intro, just uh, reach out to me and I'll be sure to connect you to the team there. Jeff, thank you so much for your time, man. This has been great. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, 
I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're gonna roll with it. Subscribe um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.